Hey everyone, this is Pastor Andrew, and welcome to our next episode of the Token Baptist Church podcast. Sorry for being so late with that this week, but it's been a really busy week, as many of you may have experienced. And I hope that you all are having a blessed uh, week, and you know, you had Martin Luther King Day and the inauguration and, and everything going on around our world that's causing us to pause and pray and to just develop a sense of what God is calling us to do as people on mission. And that is what our second sermon sermon in this series called Mission Possible is on. It's about how God has gifted us each with a circle of influence to be able to be on mission to reach. And I hope that you will think through that and uh, we'll have the circle of influence uh, diagram for you to be able to upload or download, I guess, and listen to uh, and and just see where God is leading you to reach out to people that you are most often in relationship with. And I hope that you have a wonderful day and that you would reach out to us either through our social media, check out our Neighbor Connect class. It comes out every Thursday morning on our Facebook or come be in person with us Wednesday nights at 6.30 and we wear masks, we get together and we are wanting to talk and uh, really learn how to become a great neighbor to the people that God has put us in relationship with. So I hope you have a wonderful day and I know we're getting close to the weekend again. Have a great weekend and uh, I don't know if it's been nice where you're at but the weather's been pretty good here and so we're celebrating that too. And I hope this uh, sermon really blesses you and helps you to draw closer to Jesus. Have a wonderful day. Our scripture reading this morning is Matthew 28, 1-10. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see That's the word of the Lord. Amen. So last week, we kicked off our uh, new series called Mission Possible, and we're just given an overlay of where to go as far as, you know, being on mission for Jesus and how it all starts. And that we talked about last week that, that having evidence of Jesus in your life is the place to start, because 
without Jesus in your life, how are you going to go on mission for him? So this week, um, we'll continue and talk about the second point, which is that um, the second element out of the four of being mission-driven is identifying your mission field by understanding your circle of influence that God has gifted you with. And the third, the third element of being mission-driven is finding space within the church and neighborhood to be visibly on mission together. And then fourth is investing in the, in the advancement of the gospel around the world. So as we just heard, the resurrection story that Mary Magdalene and Mary are out, they're going to the tomb and it's and the, the stone is rolled away and and they're they are um, encountered by an angel, and then they're on their way to the disciples, and they see Jesus. And, and there's really this uh, multiplication effort that happens when Jesus says, hey, go and tell my disciples. And so when we are thinking about this idea of a circle of influence, here's an example of what it kind of looks like. You know, it starts with Jesus, goes to the two Marys, right? and then the disciples, and then we see the crowd at the end of chapter 28, of Matthew 28, where Jesus uh, goes and instructs the people. So, you know, we're, you should have received a piece of paper that is a half sheet, and then your notes, and, and two sticky notes, okay? And I'll give you instructions about that. But the first thing that I want you to do is write your name in the middle, and write your family members' names where it says family members. And that would be the people that live in your house, okay? So if you have that paper, go ahead and fill that out. Um, so we're going to head into God's Word to understand the basis and need for identifying the mission field that God's given us and, uh, and do that by, by identifying who's in our circle of influence. So to do this, we're going to go to Matthew 28, chapter 16 through 20, and, and here's what it says. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, the first thing that Jesus says to this crowd of people is that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. See, we rely on Jesus' power. We rely on his power because he has all authority, as the risen Messiah, he has been given all authority, glory, and power. He defeated death and sin by his death on the cross and his resurrection, right? And he's rightly worshipped by, he will be rightly worshipped by all the peoples and all the nations, and his dominion and his kingdom will last forever. But in this moment, Jesus' authority, it gives him the ability to to commission his disciples. And he's doing this to this ragtag team of fishermen and, and blue-collar workers, and he's saying, look, I'm, giving, I'm sending you out in my authority. And he says that he has 
all authority in heaven and on earth. And I think if we were to do a really quick word study, which we won't right now, but like I would challenge you to, is to look in scripture and to see how much the time heaven and earth are inextricably in a relationship, right? We see that in the garden where God, he walks with Adam and Eve, and then they sin, and that relationship is broken. There's a broken relationship between people and, and God. And, and then we see that Jesus comes right on the scene to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is coming, and, and he prays thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And, and then at the end of the Bible, we see this majestic city coming down, the presence of God being the city of God being on earth, on a new renewed earth that God has, has restored, that he has, um, he has done away with all of the things that are sinful and broken in this earth. And so I would challenge you to really look at heaven and earth in the Bible and to see just the relationship it has. But Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he, we know this because in heaven, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus has authority over the whole kingdom of God to its fullest extent. Now, we don't see the kingdom of God in its fullest extent right now because Jesus hasn't returned. But we do see glimpses of it, right? We see glimpses of it when lives are changed and restored. We see it when, um, when we do justice, when we love our neighbors. We see it when we come together as God's people, united. That's a picture of what the kingdom of heaven will be like, except it will be exponentially way better than anything that we can imagine. See, Jesus, he says that all authority on earth has been given to him. And, and I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon in relationship to this passage. And we, the, he says, we believe in this power, this power being Jesus's power. Um, we believe in this power and we rest in it. And because we believe and we rely on Jesus' power, we do not seek any other power. You know, we don't have to seek after worldly power because we have Jesus' power. We can have assurance that having worldly power and trying to combine it with the gospel will only corrupt the gospel. Because we've seen that, right, in, in history, that whenever, whenever Christianity tries to take on a power that and be a part of the government or be a part of other things, that things really get um, crazy. If you don't believe me, just look at the Crusades. See, we, we rely on Jesus' power and we defy every other power. And what that means is every power of darkness that comes against the name of Jesus we defy the spiritual, the dark spiritual forces that would come to, to be against Jesus, to blaspheme his name. And we know that in our powerlessness, that it will not hinder the progress of his kingdom. In fact, much of the time it's in our weakness that God's strength and his kingdom is made evident, right? That Jesus, he says in Matthew, he says, if you have the faith of a child, Right? The, there's pictures in the, in the Bible 
that our power doesn't necessarily isn't isn't necessarily going to do the trick. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we need God's power to unleash us. And see, we actually give up our power to Him. We give our power to Him. Because He deserves it. He's worthy of all worship and praise. And, and without Him, we can do nothing. So, in order to make disciples, though, we need to go. And that's what Jesus says. He says, therefore go. See, I like this little trick that I learned, you know, from, from my many years of reading the Bible is, if you see the word therefore, it's really good to look back and see what it's there for. Okay? And Jesus, the reason that he says therefore is because of his power and authority. His, his therefore, because of my power and authority, go. My power and authority is makes, like I said, makes Jesus worthy of our worship. But in this passage, it says that some doubted him. You know, it would be crazy to me to be thinking that I could stand in front of the risen Jesus and still have an ability to doubt. And so I think we need to remember that, that Jesus, his power and his authority is why we go and you have to get going to get started, okay? That might be a no-brainer. That might be something that you're like, yep, you gotta press the gas to make the car go, right? So you gotta get going on mission with your direct and extended family. You gotta get going in your neighborhood and get going in the world. Maybe there's people right here today who God is calling to do an international mission to share the gospel with, with people overseas. Uh, and I don't think age is a definer of whether that can happen, uh, but it's really great when people catch the vision and see that going into all the world doesn't just mean going across the ocean. It might just be as simple as going across the street. Because Jesus, he says to make disciples of all nations, right? He says, make he says, therefore go make disciples of all nations. Well, this, this uh, phrase that he uses for the nations, penta uh, te ethne, is a Greek phrase uh, that really means people of the earth. And you, know, you can chop this up to different people groups, tribes, tongues, languages, because we all know that in heaven, there's going to be people represented from every, every culture, every, every language, every tribe. And, and Jesus wants us to be a part of making disciples of those people. See, this is not necessarily in relationship to this idea of a nation state, you know, like uh, Mexico or Canada or something like that. Because I'll give you a good example. I've been to Mongolia twice on a mission trip. And, um, and the interesting thing about Mongolia is that there are more ethnic Mongolians that live in northern China than there are ethnic Mongolians that live in Mongolia. Interesting, right? Because God is interested in reaching every group of people. But here's the amazing thing. Here's the wonderful opportunity for you and I, if you're like, I do not want to get on a plane right now and go, go across the world because it's kind of a scary time. The nations are literally outside your door. In, in 2015, the U.S. accepted 1,051,000 permanent migrants 
We remain in the top country for immigration. And I have a friend, he works at a Christian immigration resettlement program, and he says, you know, in the next four years, probably gonna only see the increase that that we that was held back from the last four years because there's a lot of people who want to come to our country. Many of them are Christians. Many of them are not. And so we get the opportunity to display Christ's love and to be about God's business in their life as we connect with them. See, our neighbors here in Tillicum embody different many language groups and ethnicities. And, you know, I, I know that sometimes it can feel like language would be a barrier to, uh, to being able to build a relationship. But sometimes the best way to build a relationship is to be observant, to notice something, to be kind. And kindness is a language that's universal. Kindness to your neighbor can bring opportunities for conversation. Because guess what? Even if the adult that you may be wanting to interact with doesn't know English that well, probably their kids do. And there's ways that you can connect with them as well to, you know, maybe it's an invitation to church or to youth connect. See, another thing that we should consider looking at our demographic as a church is that less than half of the U.S. youth under 15 are white, according to Census Bureau data. And as these trends keep continuing, and become more diverse. Uh, the world is becoming more urban. More people are, are moving to urban, urban areas all over the world and all over the United States. It gives us the opportunity to look at how we, how we build relationships across cultures, across racial lines, and make sure that we go into every pursuit that we connect with somebody that's different than us with the love of Christ. See, discipleship is the lifetime process of becoming more like Jesus in every way and helping others to do the same. Now, you might say, that sounds like a really fancy definition of discipleship that you have there. Well, I'll be honest, I did not come up with it. I've actually been meeting in a cohort with other pastors and leaders from around the country and in Africa where we've been discussing discipleship. And discussing about how discipleship has in the past usually been done as some sort of a program or some sort of, you know, do these four steps and you'll become a disciple. And, and the reality is that discipleship is best done in relationship with others. It's best done uh, authentically as you're living your life, that you're, that you're teaching somebody about what God is doing in you. And I believe that evangelism is the beginning of the discipleship process. See, a lot of people, they'll take, they'll take evangelism and say, hey, it's kind of its own thing. We're not a discipleship ministry. We're an evangelism ministry. But see, the thing is, is that evangelism is really the cornerstone of discipleship because it gives people the understanding of who, what, and why is Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And then... Evangelism informs people that the purpose and motivation of a Christian life is a lifelong process of continuing to become like Jesus. And you know what that means? It means that we get to share with our friends and our neighbors, hey, I love Jesus, but I don't have it all figured out. But I try to make everything in my life motivated 
by the fact that he has changed me, he has saved me, he has made me new. And, and that my life is about loving God and loving people. So maybe you've already said yes to Jesus, and, and you're like, well, I got, I got that down. I've been, I've been um, the gospels and shared to me, and I accepted Jesus. What's my next step? Well, Jesus says that to go to the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And baptism, Jesus, he, he, he uses you know, the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to inform us and remind us that Jesus isn't on this mission by himself. That Jesus has the permission and the backing and, and the power that he has because he is a part of the Trinity. He's a, he is a person in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit to them in Acts 2, right? He's going to send the Holy Spirit so that they can, so that the Holy Spirit can help them to evangelize and disciple the whole world. See, the second thing is, and, and if you haven't been baptized and you said yes to Jesus and you want to be baptized, that's something that we want to do with you. We want to do that here. Um, and, and the next thing that Jesus says is that to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, it might be interesting to note that, remember, the, the New Testament hasn't been written yet. So the disciples were going to go and they were going to teach people the scripture, the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, to show people, here's where Jesus is in, this, in, in these passages and what he's done, and here's his life. And, you know, it's a really fascinating study to look at passages in the Old Testament that point to Jesus and unfortunately, we don't have time to go into that all today, but I just want to encourage you, when you're reading the Old Testament, where's Jesus? He's right there in so many of the prophecies and so many of the, in the ways that, that God defines what wisdom is and other ways. So I just want you to think um, and read, your, read the word and, and see Jesus there as well. But this teaching that Jesus wants them to do is not simply so that they can, that the disciples that they have can, um, can pass a test. You know, it's not so that they get an A plus and they get credit for their, for their math homework, right? It's actually, it's actually a heart knowledge. It's not simply head knowledge, but it's a knowledge that helps people to move into obedience, for the purpose of obedience. And Jesus... He makes disciples of all people. Now, you might be wondering, why is that important to know? Well, in Jewish culture, only men were, were really sought after as disciples. And Jesus does something that's countercultural, that's revolutionary, and he says to go to all the nations, to all the people in those nations, men and women, and he says to make disciples. He doesn't say go to the people who are Jewish like you and make disciples. He says go to everybody. He doesn't say go to people who you know are upper class, who are kind of wealthy, who are who may you know give you some support for your for your missionary stuff. No, he says go to everybody, regardless of 
what they look like or who they are or what, what they do. And this obedience that Jesus requires comes from being obedient to God's word. And God's word informs, it should inform, our daily life. And then Jesus ends like this. He says, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us always. See, he's with us wherever we're going. He's with us where, when, whenever we're going. So whenever and wherever. And Jesus' promise to be with us should empower us. It should give us, it should empower us to move forward into discipleship with confidence, right? And not only discipleship of another person, but into our own discipleship. Because guess what? You never, you, you never age out of being a disciple. Which means that you need other people in your life that are helping you to be obedient to God's word. To be in a place where they, you can be challenged to live on mission with Jesus. But guess what? You don't do it alone. You don't just do it with other people. The Holy Spirit, if you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit is with you and he, he goes with you to give you wisdom about how to do that. And he says that I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, just a few chapters early, Matthew, in, in Matthew, Jesus says that, look, there's these signs about the end of the age. Right? And in Matthew 24. And, you know, it's, if you've been watching the news or you've been looking at anything going on around you, you might have wondered a few times this last year, are we heading towards the end? Is this it? Is, this, is, this, is there a grand finale that we're walking on the edge towards? And the reality is that I can't tell you that, okay? Um, but here's the thing. In Matthew 24, Jesus talks about the signs of the end of the age. He says that many will come claiming to be the Messiah, deceiving many. There will be wars. There will be rumors of war. There will be international conflict. There will be famines and earthquakes. And he promises, too, that we'll receive, that God's people will go under persecution. Now, let's sit there for a minute. Persecution is a mark of a Christian, of a Christian life. And I'm not talking about persecution because a social media site decides to take a Bible verse down or something like that. And I'm not talking about, you know, the people who will shout you down, you know, in the comment section. I'm talking about physical, literal persecution, just like what people overseas in other countries that are close to the gospel deal with all the time. And I'm not saying that I want to be persecuted, but I'm saying that if that's a mark of the Christian life, then should it be so surprising that that will happen? Because if I'm to, if we are to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus, be reminded that the cross was an execution device. Be reminded that there's a cost, there's a high cost to truly persevering and following Jesus. Matthew 24, 14, he says, and Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
So I guess if, if that is the prerequisite for the end coming, we have a little bit of time. Because according, if you look online, there's this, this great organization called the Joshua Project, and they kind of line out um, what unreached people groups still exist in the world today. And they have different categories for what that means. But if, if not every person has, has gotten the opportunity to respond to the gospel, um, then we have a little bit of time. On, we have a little bit of time left. I wouldn't say on our hands, because we should be on our feet moving forward with the gospel. See, then Jesus says that the abomination of desolation, as predicted by Daniel, will happen. The temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem, and then and then people will make make an opportunity to blaspheme God. There's a there's some some different um, you know idea of what that might look like, but we know that it'll be a, a mark towards the end, and that Jesus, His return. He'll return in power and glory. He'll return for justice. He'll return to bring his kingdom. He'll return for us, his people, and to, and to judge those who were unrighteous, those who didn't live in a relationship with him. But see, Jesus, he didn't assign a time for when this was going to happen. He said, not, he says, only the Father knows when the end will come. And so we have to persevere in faith and obedience with Jesus, to Jesus, until the end. To sum it up, oh, sorry, you can't see that very well. As much as, as much as we rely on this passage of the Great Commission to convict people about pursuing international or cross-cultural missions, I think that it's appropriate for our context as we think about identifying the mission field of, in our circle of influence that God has gifted us to disciple. And if you don't get anything from today, except for this one thing, take this home with you, okay? It was worth at least a couple bucks to me. Discipleship is the lifetime process of becoming more like Jesus in every way and helping others to do the same. So this is where we're going to finish filling out our circle of influence paper. Um, there's, there's categories in that circle of people who are maybe extended family that you're involved with, maybe co-workers or acquaintances, friends or neighbors. And, uh, and what I want you to do is I want you to fill this out. And once you've done that, I want you to take the sticky notes and do two things. I want you to write the total number of people who are on your sheet, on, your sticky, on one of your sticky notes, and then if you spent any time this last week connecting with our neighbor, with the neighbor, like we challenged you to this last week, I want you to write the number of minutes that, or time that you spent approximately, you know, like if you spent 37 minutes, uh, that's okay, just say 40 minutes, say 30 minutes, whatever you feel like is more representative. But, but like, even if it was 10 minutes, it's not insignificant, okay? Because as a church, we want to uh, we want to develop relationships, and we want to have about we want to meet a goal of 300 hours of connecting with people in our neighborhood. So once you're done with this, I'd like you to bring up your sticky notes. 
sorry, your sticky notes and place them in this bas basket, the one that has the number of people and the one that has the amount of time that you spent with your neighbor. And, uh, and in case you need more sticky notes for some reason, they're up here, okay? Don't, don't be shy. And um, I'll have some instructions for what we're gonna do afterwards, but I'm gonna play a song right now and we're gonna, I'm gonna give you some time to fill it out. So remember, sticky note, number of people in your circle of influence, and the number of minutes or time that you spent connecting with a neighbor this week. So during this time, I had everybody listen to a song by Keith Green called Oh Lord, You're Beautiful, and that's available on the show notes if you want to click those uh, below. But uh, it's just a time for people to be able to think through their circle of influence, and that sheet is also available on the show notes. So please check it out, and please fill it out, and I would love to encourage you to... to uh, you know, continue to think about who's in your circle of influence that you can reach. We also gave people a second breakout where they could talk about the times that they spent with their neighbor or who was on their list that they were praying for and going to talk to. So the application will come after this portion. Now that you've reflected and discussed your circle of influence or the experiences that you've had with others, your mission, should you choose to accept it this week, is to put that list, put that circle of influence somewhere in your house that you're going to see it and to pray for the people on your list. Second, contact one to two of those people in your circle and catch up. You know, and just ask them how they're doing. Maybe, you know, talk about sports if you're a sports person or how things are going with their family, or, you know, talk about, uh, you know, church, and how you're really excited about being at church, if you're really excited to be in the church. And then third, I would challenge you to identify what steps that you need to take to deepen your relationship with Jesus. If you need to be baptized, if you've said yes to Jesus, and you haven't been baptized yet, like I said, I'd love to talk with you about that. And get, and get you baptized. Um, or maybe you have an area of your life that needs to be more in line and obedient to Jesus. And you want to do that. That's your desire, to be more obedient to Jesus. Then we want to we connect you with resources, maybe books or, or accountability groups where you can grow. So come back next week. Share and be willing Again, we're going to keep track of the amount of time that we spend connecting with our neighbors, and we're going to take some time again to be willing to share anything that God has done. Maybe you have that one phone conversation, you know, with Sally, and you say, hey, it was really good to talk to Sally and connect with her, and I did it for 20 minutes, and we just talked about X, Y, or Z, you know? I mean, I can tell you plenty of horror stories of a conversation gone wrong, but if you guarantee, guessing that you've probably chosen some pretty safe people in your in your circle of influence, um, probably have a more positive experience. Um, so just come back next week and be ready.